Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never, ever about food or weight. Never, ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever, ever. Hello, everyone. Welcome to It's Not About Food podcast. I'm grateful that you're here today. We're going to be talking about reparenting. And on the front of the card, the goddess is holding on to her little self and her little girl's hand, and she's got her other hand on her heart. And then the deer is so sweet. It's so dear. It has a little tiny deer like in its arms. It's such a sweet card and such a, I don't know, healthy card, you know, that we remember that we have this little part inside of us and that we have to take care of that. So many of us did not get all of our needs met as children. I mean, how could we if we have human parents and we're human? People make mistakes and they don't do everything perfectly. There's no way they can. So I think that's our job is to take care of ourselves and this little part of us. So on the back of the card, it says, Reparenting is the action of taking care of the small child within all of us who has feelings and needs. Many times the pain beneath the struggle with food and weight or anything, if you're struggling with spending too much or working too much or watching too much TV or on social media too much, that is a lot of times linked to emotional needs that we weren't, that weren't met when we were children. This is understandable since it's impossible for a parent to meet every emotional need a child experiences. However, as an adult, we can learn to meet our own needs and be our own parent. We do this by being compassionate, loving, attentive, and responsible to ourselves. Because I mainly work with eating disorders and body disturbances, this is like one of the things that happens is somebody eats at night because when they were little, they had a hard time at night and there was no one to comfort them because the parent might work and was sleeping. We had to learn how to take care of ourselves however way we could when we were little kids. And now as adults, we have to remember that we still have to do that. We still have to take care of ourselves. It's our job to take care of our bodies and our emotional selves and our spiritual selves. It's our job to get ourselves to yoga class. <laughs> it's our job to learn and try new things. And it's also our job to sit with ourselves and listen to our own pain beneath the struggle. And that's with whatever that you're working on. Maybe it's a death in your family, or it's maybe you lost your job through the COVID. And whatever it is that we sit with our own self and being scared and reparent our way through it by being compassionate and loving and kind, respectful to ourselves. So I am so pleased to have Jana here today. And I have to say that how I know her is she's one of my favorite yoga teachers in the world. And before times, <laughs> in the before times, before COVID, I went to a certain yoga studio and she was there. A lot of the time that she would teach would work out for my schedule and I was able to be there with her and 
always so healing and loving and kind and always a good yoga class, always a good yoga class, great yoga. But we're going to talk about other things today and uh, I will introduce Jana and she will tell us what she's doing right now. Thanks so much, Laura Lee, for inviting me to be part of this. And likewise, when you would come to my yoga class, I would always be very happy because you're just one of those bright lights that comes in and just brings yourself and your presence. And in that adds to the energy of the whole. So thank you for, for always being there over the years. Oh, when you invited me to speak and looking at the cards, it's interesting because this reparenting card came up and I immediately thought about it as myself as a parent, even though the card guided me to think of myself. It's very interesting that it went to, of course, I parent rather than how my parent parented me. So one of the reasons why that happened is because I happen to be a parent as of a transgender person and he transitioned during his high school years. And I did write a book about it, which I appreciate you inviting me to talk about. And the book is called, He's Always Been My Son, A Mother's Story About Raising Her Transgender Son. It was published in 2017 by Jessica Kingsley Publishers. I was invited to write the book. I had started by writing a blog and I was encouraged to write the blog because I chose a different card from a different deck. And this card was from the goddess deck. And the card showed an older child embracing and sitting with a younger child. And the younger child's expression looked exactly like my child's expression when he was depressed and sad and lost. And I saw the older child as embracing and supporting that child. I knew immediately that was the message that I was meant to help other transgender kids and their families. Wow. Beautiful. So divination. I can feel the emotion of it coming up even now. There's so many stories we could tell, but the one thing that came to mind when I pulled that card is when I witnessed my son go through his surgery to change his body to a male chest. And when I saw his bandages removed, it was as if I was watching my son be reborn. It was as if I was giving birth again. A similar emotion and I never imagined that I'd feel those emotions other than at birth and so I called it a rebirthing and I thought a lot about how I would have to reparent in a way this person who now I would be relating to as a boy and having a son and before that I had a daughter and what does that mean to parent a son versus parent a daughter and myself and my husband we went through these iterations of oh now i have a son what does that mean for parenting and what i realized is i didn't really need to change much but yet there were things like my husband and i we certainly believe in giving factual information and having conversations about safety and consent and all of that and so i had the talks about having a daughter and what is it to be a girl and be out there and 
you know, whether you're gay or straight, you still have to be aware of these things. And what I didn't realize was at the time of giving that talk that my son would need another talk when he was older. And my husband, I said, yeah, you could give that talk to our son now. And he was confused saying, well, I never had a talk from my dad. And I said, we could change that pattern now. Yeah. So it brought up just a lot about how we were taught to be a woman or a man and our gendering and then how we wanted to do it differently, knowing that our son would need guidance and support. We did go through some of that in working with other parents. I see that many of us go through these challenges of how do we relate to this person with regard to their affirmed gender and this new role we have as a parent. And is it new or are we still really parenting the same person, but in another way with regard to their gender? What changes with regard to their gender? Yeah. And the person, the heart of the person or the soul of the person is the same. He's still your wonderful child, no matter what. And as hard as it is to, I don't have a transsexual child or transitional child or anything like that, transgender, nothing. But I know that he wanted to be called a different name. And I thought, I just can't do that. I just can't do it. And I did do it, just even getting the pronouns right for the world to do. And that's such a small part of the whole thing, of the whole person's transition. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And every transgender person's unique. And some people do change their names and some don't. My child didn't. Some people change pronouns. Most trans people, when they're coming out, do change pronouns, but not all. And then in thinking about how that relates to me, thinking about the card and how it relates to me and reparenting myself, that has come up in some other uh, therapeutic place that I've been where I've been thinking about what are the things that I did get from my parents and what did I not get and then how to take care of myself. And like you said, we can learn to meet our own needs and be our own parents. I realize that for me, it's very difficult to make mistakes or to not be seen as being good at everything, to be seen as someone who could make a mistake and to be vulnerable. And when I dove in a little bit more, I realized that it was just difficult for my mother never admits that she is wrong. And she had high expectations of me doing it. And if I didn't do it right, then I would get in trouble. If I didn't do the right thing the right way or get the good grades or the expectations were high, they were high because she believed in me, which was great on the one hand, but also was hard to live up to on the other hand. And so now when I make a mistake, or I have a problem, I want to fix it right away. And it is challenging to first recognize it and then also to find the ways that I can, again, give myself that support, like you said, to reparent myself. Yeah. I tell my clients a lot of times, your parents were worried about you. So you had to do things sometimes different than how they did them because they didn't want you to go through that struggle. But it looked like they were just critical or not forgiving for you. But it really came from a 
really actually a very loving place. It just came out weird. And what you can do for yourself is say, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to not do this perfectly. It's okay to have a problem. I'll figure it out. Tell yourself you love you. You got your back. You're here with you. And change that critical parent voice that it doesn't help anymore. You know, if it would have helped, it would have helped already. (laughs) So, (laughs) So if you come with love, as I always say, the hippies were right. Love is all you need. So come for love come with love and tell yourself you're going to be okay. You're going to get through whatever it is that you're going to be here with you, which is pretty great because our parents get old and they die and then we don't have them anymore. But we came here with us ourselves and we're going to leave with us ourselves. So we're the constant. We are the constant. And like with your son, no matter what in his life, he is with him so beautiful and he has all of these memories and all of these things that happened to him and they're all valuable and they're all perfect all fine whatever it was and you being his mother you have all the memories of him and his other life and then in this life and they're all the same life it is all the same and i love that about just knowing that as a parent we get to have our kids when they get to be adults reflect back to us and then we can reflect and reflect and what he said was all that he has been through has made him who he is today which is a beautiful integration of his experiences which weren't all easy Yet, and it's the same for me. And I can look back with that and say, yeah, whatever I went through, it got me to be who I am today. And it wasn't all easy and it wasn't all fair or this or that. And to release that expectation of anyone doing anything wrong, that is just about living a life and doing what we can with it now. And looking and seeing how fortunate we really have been to be able to have love and support even when things weren't perfect or when we were making mistakes, both as children, but also as parents, we can reparent the relationship too, I think, as we go along and heal those parts of us that maybe were challenging. I did have an opportunity with my mom this year. I was there on Mother's Day in New York and got my mom a present that she really didn't like. And instead of receiving it with love, she didn't. And she made it very clear that she didn't like it. And it was really upsetting to me. I felt really rejected and really sad and frustrated and angry, all these things. And I could tell she was too. And it took a day or so, but then I brought it up again and I told her how I felt and she started to make excuses a little bit about how she was feeling about it and then realized, okay, she did say she was sorry. And that really helped. And it helped me to open up to hear her side of it and to understand why she was upset about the present and why she didn't like it. It really helped me to hear those words, I'm sorry, because she was able to acknowledge that there was a hurt instead of explaining why or only explaining why, which doesn't always help us when we're hurt. And then I was able to talk to her and to hear why she didn't like the gift and why she reacted the way she did and what would have made maybe better. 
And so it felt really good to be able to talk that out and bring ourselves around to some healing. And I felt that I was really taking care of myself in that moment because I could have just let it go and just let her be her and me be me. And we would have gone on and it would have been fine. But I think we did clear some air there and hopefully will help for future time on both of our ends, being able to be more appropriate for each other. Ah, well, I love that. It's she was taking care of her inner child without even knowing it by saying, I don't like this for whatever millions of reasons. And you were taking care of your inner child by telling her, well, this hurt. So what was going on? So everybody, the parent and the child and the child and the parent, everybody's taking care of themselves, which is so much greater than forget it, I'm not going to even deal with it. And then later it blows up in your face or in whatever. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm when you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call the bleed. My name is Laura Lee. And this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. Where it comes up again, and, and then it's another hurt on top of a hurt instead of us clearing air. And yeah, I learned a lot. You know, in my family, it's very important. When I was growing up, it was very important to say, I love you to the other person. And when you come in the house, you say hello to the people in the house, you give a kiss. And then when you're leaving the house, same thing, you say goodbye and you give a kiss goodbye. And this was the routine and the expectation. And so if we went to sleep at night and didn't say goodnight, then a parent would come in the room and say, you didn't say goodnight, what's going on? But I found out that actually was not something that happened in my mother's house, that her mom didn't tell her she loved her. And it wasn't that she didn't, she did, and she showed her in many ways, but these weren't words that passed around a lot. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting that I felt it was a rule that we had to. And I brought that to our family as a tradition also, you always say hello and goodbye. You don't just leave the house without connecting. And we say, I love you. And we do these things. So interesting that I didn't think of it as that wasn't already the pattern that my mom and dad somehow established that pattern. And I realized, oh, maybe it was because she wanted to make sure that we all felt that. And maybe she hadn't felt that. That is so great. And then you gave it to your son. Yeah, we gave it to our kids as a pattern. And pretty much we all had that. I wonder how they'll be if they'll have kids and they'll pass it on. But I liked it. I think it was really important to be able to be connected in that way, the coming and the going and the acknowledging. I remember when my dad died, he died young, 58. And one of the first things that I thought of was that we said, I love you as our last words, because that's what we did. So whether I didn't remember it exactly, I knew that those were the words we said to each other because we always did. And that's very comforting. It's so comforting. And again, the generational love of that your parents started that because they didn't get it was phenomenal. They gave what they didn't get. They pulled it from somewhere and they gave it, and that was beautiful. And you gave it to your children. And they will carry it on, I think. 
I'm very much like your mother. I very seldom, I can't even really remember very many times at all that my mother actually said, I love you. So I made a point to always tell my son that I love you. And he would say back, I love you too. I was visiting him and his wife and their little girl when she was little. And he left for the day and he said, I love you. And I heard her in this little girl voice, I love you too. too. (laughs) And it was, you know, ah, it continues. Yay. And we still do this to this day. He's a grown man. And I tell him that and I just didn't want him to go through his life not and say, I don't remember my mother telling me that she loved me. And I, of course, loved him so much and still do. And I did the same with my mother. I started doing that at some point to her. So she didn't always hardly ever said, I love you too, but it didn't matter to me. I wanted her to know that I loved her. Yes, I feel that same way with my mother-in-law. She is also of that style that just doesn't say it easily. She shows her love in other ways, but she doesn't say it easily. And my husband's father passed this year. And I said, you're just doing such a great job. I know your father would be proud of you. And he said, I don't know. He never said that. And I thought, oh, Wow. Always knew that my parents were proud of me. They said it. They didn't brag about it. They didn't overly effusively tell me, but they did. And they showed it too. And I am so grateful for that and reflect to my husband that he didn't get that. And he said, yeah, I just depended on myself for how I felt about myself. And I thought, wow, that's pretty resourceful, you know, and, um, (laughs) and I'm grateful that he does tell our kids that he's proud of them. Somehow he knew that is important. He said, I hear it from you. Like he hears it from me. I tell him that I'm proud of him. And I guess it's helpful sometimes to also remember to tell ourselves that we're proud of ourselves. And that brings me back to the reparenting of we don't have to hear it from outside sources. We actually can just tell it to ourselves and we don't have to hear anything about anything. If we want love, we can hug ourselves. If we want compassion, we can offer it to ourselves. And the more we practice that, the more it feels that it's true. Yes, exactly. And I think I've been with clients who just had parents that shouldn't have had orchid plant, much less a child. You know, they shouldn't have had anything living in their lives. They just didn't have the skills. And But yet my client, they know what a good parent is, even if they didn't have one in front of them. And I draw on that that they know, you know how to be kind to yourself. You know how to be proud of yourself, how to love yourself. And it is imperative. You know, we live in a culture, oh, that's all stuck up and you think you're all that. No, we have to have self-love or we can't get through this. Life is hard and we have to give ourselves a lot of love and compassion and respect. We have to do that with our bodies and ourselves, our souls and our emotional selves in order to get through. It's not that easy. So we can pull from that, that people get it from somewhere. They'll say, well, I don't even know anyone that loves me other than my dog. And I'm like, that's a great example. (laughs) 
the dog love, you know, let's just go with that one. And um, yeah, and I love that you were able to tell your dad that you loved him as he was leaving. That's so important. Well, it's actually he left suddenly. And so it's that I knew that those were my last words to him because on any phone call, on any interaction, our last words were love you, I love you. And so that really was the comfort. And it's a reason why I want to say goodbye. And I love you when people are leaving my house, because we just don't know what life's going to bring. And that's the reality. It's not about living in fear. It's about living in reality that we don't know what's going to happen when we walk out the door. And so may our words be kind and meaningful every parting, because then at least we are left with that memory or the person is left with that memory should it be that we leave. And I just find some comfort in that and offer that to others as well. Is It just feels better knowing that was the last words that we had said. They were kind, they were loving, they weren't trivial, all of that. There's a really wonderful book by Charlotte Castle, K-A-S-L, of uh, Women, Sex, and Addiction is the name of that book. But she talks about we, especially as women in the culture that we live in, we tell we are so critical of our bodies and ourselves, constantly telling ourselves we're not enough and we're not fill in the blank enough. And uh, we're not pretty enough. We're not smart enough. We're not rich enough, whatever it is. So she talks to her clients and says, every day, say, I love you a hundred times for a year and your life will change. So when I read that many years ago, I said, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I don't know if I always made the hundred, but I made it a point to do that. And it did take away a lot of that critical self-talk because it was a message of love instead of a message of Oh, you better do this. You better do that. You better. So we have to have it from us. Yes, it's so great to get it from other places, but we have to have it from ourselves. So how could someone get your book if they're having this with themselves or with their child or their friend or their lover or whatever? Yes. That's such a great question. Thank you. He's Always Been My Son is available widely. Most libraries, if they don't have it, they'll order it. And then also it's available easily found online by all the big sellers as we know them. But also local booksellers, even if they don't have it in stock, they might order it for you. If they can't get it, people can get it directly from me as well because I always have copies on hand and folks can get it if they contact me and they can easily find me at Jana Barkin Yoga at gmail.com. Perhaps, Loralee, you can put that in the show notes. And they can also find me through my website, which is the same as the book. It's www.he'salwaysbeenmyson.com. And there's no apostrophe in the website address, but it is in the book name. So I'm easily found and would love to get the book to anyone. And if you get it directly from me, I will sign it and send it. And so that's a really nice way. Um, I've had trans men 
who have seen the book at conferences or book signings, talks I give, come to me and be weeping that this is the title of the book. And it's usually because they did not have that acceptance in their home. And so to, you know, if we're talking about reparenting, I think when a parent or a loved one has someone come to them, come out or let them in on their very personal feeling of being transgender, being non-binary, being anything other than that sex they were given at birth, it does really behoove us to think deeply about what are the parts of us that perhaps were rejected when we were children and to go back into that as we monitor our own responses to our loved ones. We were all gendered. We were all taught how to be with regard to our gender. Some of that fit us. Some of it didn't. We got messages about that. And I hope that we each can reach deeply into ourselves to consider that and society's expectations around gender and then to really listen to the person and to open our hearts to that person's inner lived experience, knowing that I cannot know what my mom was experiencing unless we had a conversation and I can't know you and you can't know me unless we have these conversations. And I also can't know my child, even though I think I do. And I have all these expectations of how my child will be as an adult and how my life will be as a parent. What does that mean? If my child is transgender, what does that mean about me? Or if my spouse, I really can't speak to partnerships as much as I can to parenting. I think that in a partnership, it's even more complex because there is that piece of who we love and who we are that is so intrinsic that if we truly are attracted only to one body type or gender and then our person transitions, I can see how that could be very complicated, even though in their heart of hearts, they are that person. It's very complex. But as a parent, I know that I did not want to know the gender of my child. I did not get my child's gender revealed to me before birth because I wanted to bond with the child regardless. I also didn't do a lot of the testing, genetic testing and such, because I felt that I just needed to bond with the person as they were and not have any preconceived expectations and that I would be able to handle whatever outcome there was. And here we were taken on a journey uh, that was unexpected. And you met the person, it sounds like. You met the baby. Met the person. Yeah. Met the baby. <laughs> and the baby was wise from the start and led us on a journey I couldn't have imagined. And so grateful that I somehow did have the wherewithal. So I do credit my family life. The way I grew up somehow brought me to be able to be that parent. Well, let me just say, as a person seeing you and hearing about what you went through before today, I just felt how strong you were, how loving you were, how accepting you were, which is what we wish, we hope we all can be, not only for our children, but for ourselves as well. And it was beautiful learning. I think uh, we had a talk about it one time and in the dressing room as we were getting changed or something and telling me about it and the book and stuff. But 
to me that you take whatever path that your child takes, you support them on that path and ourselves too. We support ourselves on that. And uh, you're right. It's the other people around us that have a hard time with stuff and we have to be with them and their hard stuff about it too. And tell the truth, talk it through, see if you can get to the other side. Absolutely. And so appreciate that reflection. Really appreciate that. So would you read the last part of the card? Today, I will ask myself these four questions. What is my inner child feeling? How is she trying to cope with these feelings? What does my child within really need? How can I give this to myself? I will then do whatever I can to give myself exactly what I need. The last part of that, I tell my clients, well, my child needed a hug. It's like, give yourself a hug, get a hug, do whatever you need to do to get that. Give yourself love, give yourself acceptance, give yourself respect. You may not have gotten it and you may not get it from others, but you can get it from you. Do whatever you need to do that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Very, very needed in the culture that we live in right now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and can't wait to hear the response out there. I know, I really believe that when we share our stories, we are often giving voice to the voiceless. Somebody is feeling this way and hasn't been able to express it. And we hear the common threads even though we are each so unique. So thank you so much for being a place where people share these thoughts and feelings and look forward to listening to more of the podcasts and and your voice. We'll talk to you later, Jana. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, You can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food Podcast. Thanks so much.